academia, but also in the church. Uh, many people discussing many different ways to worship God, many different ways to come to God. And um, it's important that we understand what the Bible teaches and what it says regarding our access to God and God himself. And there's probably um, no stronger verse in the Bible than 1 Timothy 2.5. Paul the Apostle is talking to Timothy about the salvation of men, even those who are in government positions and authority and all those, and that God desires all men to be saved. And to desire something and to wish something and to talk about accomplishing something and reaching it's one thing. But how to do so and be assured of it, that's the key. Listen to 1 Timothy 2.5. He says, For there is one God and one meteor between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There is one God. People have different concepts about God. Some believe God is just a force. Others believe he's just an impersonal entity, a supernatural being that's just out there. And um, he really doesn't intervene in the way that man thinks he should. So either they fault him for all the evil or they just explain him away thinking that he can't exist because of the evil. And you can go into academia, the universities, and they explain God away that it's just a, a mental state of people and it's a religious indoctrination. And you'll have all kinds of different explanations and definitions about God. But the Bible says there is one God. Listen how God opens the revelation of his word as he has lived and existed from all eternity from the vanishing point to the vanishing point. And he begins time as we know it in a chronological chain. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't open up and say, I know it's going to be hard for you to believe, but I'm God. And I know you have a lot of doubt. He doesn't try to convince you at all. He just says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a statement of fact. Then you have to draw back and you have to look at all creation, the world, the galaxies, the planets, and include all those things that at one point, at one time, they did not exist. And that God created them. This is the God that Paul is talking about. Not a God of emotion. Not a God of like a genie that you know he or there. He's your 9-11, 9-1-1 emergency God. But the one who created everything. And therefore if he created everything, he created also man. 
we're told that he created us in the image and likeness of God with the capacity to think, capacity to make choices, capacity to do good, and now because of the fall, with the capacity to do evil. But in his original creation, he did not create us with evil, but the fall brought an evil. And so if I'm going to understand the God that Paul is talking about, I have to go back to the beginning. What does he say about himself? How is it that we arrive to this world that's so messed up? How is it that I'm creating the image of God and yet there's a pull in my own life to do good as well as evil? How did it come about? How is it working? How can I solve this? So I have to search the scriptures. One God. Not many. And as you go through the Old Testament, you start seeing too that this God is not only one God, but he is described in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all there in the Genesis record. In the beginning, God, Elohim. El is one, El is two. Any, every Hebrew word that ends with an I am is a plurality of two or more. What a great place to put the Trinity in the first verse of the Bible. <laughs> then in chapter 126 or so, it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The conversation of the Trinity to create man. And so we're created after the likeness of God. He created us to have fellowship with him, to be one with him. But sin entered in and it disrupted the ideal plan of God. Not because God was unable to stop it. Not that sin was greater than God. But the fact that God gave man that he created a choice. A choice to choose to obey or disobey. Every one of you who live at home, your parents give you certain things to do and certain rules. You have a choice to obey, disobey. All of us who are adults, we grew up the same way. As you grow up and you're an adult, there's rules in life. You obey and go on a green light, you're going to be safe. You run a red light, you might get a ticket, you might get killed. There's choices in life. And so, one God and one mediator between God and man. So now, because of the fall, there needs to be a go-between. That go-between is the Son, Jesus Christ. Daniel speaks about the Son, Isaiah. Incredible prophecies of his coming, his first coming. God became man, the incarnation of John 1.14. John 1.1, 1, 1, in, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and God was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. He didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but he emptied himself of his glory, not of his deity. And he took on the form of a man and was obedient to the death of the cross. And for that reason, a name was given to him above every other name. 
that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's the mediator. So God created us. The creation got messed up due to sin, through the deception of the enemy, Satan. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. But God gave them a promise of that mediator, the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15. A woman has no seed in herself. The man carries the seed. The woman has the egg. The first prophecy of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the promised mediator. Isaiah 7.14 says, Behold, a virgin shall bear a child. She shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew picks it up. And then Matthew 1.23, the fulfillment of it. So you can trace it from Genesis to the beginning all the way through. This is the mediator. One mediator between God and man. A mediator is one who tries to bring the two that are at odds together. But there has to be a means by which or a negotiating condition for bringing those two individuals together. Now here's the big problem. On God's side, he's absolutely holy. On man's side, he's absolutely sinful. And God cannot have anything to do with sin. Now man, as moral as he may be, as many good acts as he may commit, he can never outweigh his evil by the good that he does. Because God doesn't bargain. Because God's standard is perfection. So that excludes every man and woman from being that mediator. So God, knowing this, took his son and he sent him to become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Jesus occupied the womb of Mary for nine months, just like you did in your mother's womb and I. And he came forth and he cried and he slept and he hungered and he grew, developed and mature just as you and I have. Yet, he was the God-man. Depending on the Father, being tempted in every way as you are and I am, yet without sin. So everything that Jesus accomplished, he accomplished as the first Adam should have, through obedience. The first Adam disobeyed, therefore he became fallen. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, came to do what the first Adam failed, to obey and depend on the Father to accomplish all things. So Jesus did everything depending on the Father as man. Jesus never accomplished the things that he did as the God-man through his deity. He did it as the first Adam depending on the Father. He's called the last Adam. And therefore, he being sent for us, paid that price. And so now, you and I, and every other individual in the world, is able to call upon God based on this mediator who paid the price 
on the cross when he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22. A few verses down, he gives you the reason, because you are holy. God the Father could not look upon his son with condonas, with permission, because he became literal sin for the sins of the world at that point in time. And the wrath of God was poured out upon him. And therefore, there was real suffering, real separation from the Father, a real payment made in my place. I belonged on the cross, but he took my place. So there's one God and one mediator between God and man. And Paul identifies him, the man, Christ Jesus. Human and divine. 100% man, 100% God. The last Adam, just like the first Adam. Identical, with one exception. He did not fail. The first Adam did. So Jesus came to demonstrate that the first Adam didn't have to fail, but he chose to fail. And he is the last Adam, would not fail. Therefore, you and I can have our hope and our dependence upon Christ to make sure that we don't fail. As a son depended on the father, so we as Christians are to depend on the son in all things. That he's the one that gets the glory. And that we see our own frailty, our own shortcomings in need of Him. And this is the safety for the Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, then He becomes the mediator for you. Your sin separates you from God. It doesn't have to be murder. It doesn't have to be adultery. It doesn't have to be whatever you put fill in the blank with. Just you being born into this world makes you a sinner. The proverb says, babies, children come into the womb, from the womb speaking lies, and you thought they were crying. (laughs) Three, four, five months old, they're little sinners because their parents are sinners. Sinners only produce sinners. Dogs only produce dogs, not cats. We are in kind. We produce in kind. And therefore, every person born into this world needs a Savior, Jesus Christ, needs to repent from their sin. But here we sit in a world, as I began to share with you, that has many definitions, many explanations, many ideas and worldviews about who God is, what He is, what He can do, what He's going to do, and you have to run all those things through the Word of God. And when you're, when you're listening to a lot of this crazy stuff, you cannot exclude the church today. The church is a big problem today. Because it's out there in so many things that are so unbiblical. So you have to run everything through the Word of God. L- listen, if if you... Get your directions wrong to get to LAX. You'll lose some time. You'll eventually get there. But if you get the wrong directions to heaven, you will never get there. That is very, very important. If you're going to get one thing right in this life, it better be the way to avoid hell and the way to get to heaven. 
It isn't by works. It isn't by who you're born through. It isn't where you go to school or what kind of job you have or how much money you make or the type of car you drive or who you know. It's whether you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ that you're a sinner under God's wrath and that God has made a way for you to be forgiven of your sins through his son that he might give you hope of eternal life by giving you a new nature and make you a child of God or a daughter of God. Not because we deserve it, but because he has done this completely out of love and is given to us by grace through faith, but it wasn't cheap. It cost the father the life of his son. So we shouldn't think it that it's free. It is not free. Nothing is free. Someone has to pay the bill. The father paid my bill. Therefore, I need to take the message seriously. It has nothing to do with my emotions. It has nothing to do with my church experience. It has everything to do with the objective truth of God's word. Who God is, what he's done, who I am. And how desperate I need to be saved and forgiven of my sin. Based exactly on what the gospel of Jesus Christ says. And so this verse, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you're saved or you're not. I don't know if you're playing church. I don't know if you just go from concert to concert. And that's your Christian experience. But if your life is not grounded as a believer in the word of God, then you're going to be just running from place to place, seeking the next experience in Christendom. And when you enter real life, it's not going to hold you. You've got to depend on the Lord. You've got to be the church. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to run everything through the word of God. And if you do that, then God is faithful to direct and guide you, mold you, and shape you, and transform you from day to day, from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. You will be tested. You'll have temptations. You'll fail. You'll be humbled. But you've got to turn to the Lord all the time. We have access to the throne of God to find grace and help in time of need. And so as we come to him as Christians, we are dependent on him all the time. But some of you don't know Jesus Christ. You've gone to church, your friends have told you, but you've never made that commitment. And so tonight, you have to decide whether you want to continue to just be satisfied with false information or be satisfied that you have an eclectic understanding about God. There's all these opinions. I know them all. Where that really makes you more accountable and more guilty for not choosing the right one against all the false ones. So it's greater condemnation. But God gives you the freedom to make the choice as he did with Adam and Eve. God doesn't force you to go to heaven. God doesn't force you to go to hell. He gives you the choice. Once the choice is made, you cannot blame God. You're fully responsible for your own choice. Now, once you deviate from God's objective truth and what is going to be pleasing to him, 
then you and I are responsible for everything that takes place thereafter, not God. So people make decisions apart from the word of God, apart from God, and then they want to hang God. No. Your problem. Your fault. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you repent and ask Him to forgive you and to get you back on track. That's the important thing. But before getting there, you have to be born again. You have to agree who you are, a sinner, in need of a Savior. And that this verse is absolutely true. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus and no one else. Not Allah, not Krishna. Not anybody but Jesus Christ. The God-man. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, you have a decision to make tonight. No decision is a decision in itself. You choose not to choose. Therefore, the wrath of God abides in you. There's no nice way to say that. It's just the facts. But the proclamation of the gospel is that you might escape the wrath of God. So you don't have to be under God's wrath. And as you listen to the gospel, God gives you the ability to understand and to know what is being said and the consequences. Because God's not the author of confusion. If he allows you to come and listen, he gives you the ability to understand. Otherwise, he would be responsible for your ignorance and therefore for your lostness. And he would be unfair. He would be taunting you, right? Therefore, God's absolutely just. He's here tonight to convict you of your sin. To convince you that you need Him. He does not need you. You need Him. You need forgiveness. You need to be cleansed. You need to become His child so that you can enjoy life and understand life as He has intended it with all its fallenness all around you by the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. And Lord, I just pray for every person here and those over the internet, Lord, you would speak to them. And the Lord, you would just allow them to understand your love and your goodness towards them. And Father, all that you've done is simply because you do love them. And so, Lord, for those that are here who have never repented from their sins, have never called on your name, we pray that you would just speak to him now. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right where you sit, you can accept him. Walking up front doesn't make you saved. God is more interested in the position and the posture of your heart, not your body. And if you truly see yourself as lost in need of salvation and that Christ is that payment made for you, then you can repent of your sins right now, right where you sit. Maybe you're over the internet. You can do it right where you sit. It's called a prayer of repentance. Repentance means about face, a complete turnaround, a 180 degree turn. As you ask him to forgive you of your sins, to fill you with the spirit, and to save you. If this is your decision, this is a simple prayer that you can repeat to him right now. And he will save you right where you sit.
This is your prayer. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.